Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on this week's episode, Adam Burrish and I discuss the Hart Trophy candidacy of one Patrick Kane. 30 points through the opening 20 games of the season this year. We're also joined by Malcolm Subban later in the show to discuss what his first year in the Blackhawks organization has been like, his incredible work, not only on the ice, but off the ice in the community, and what it's like to be a guy who gets in the game every 10 days or so right now, but when he does, continues to play lights out. All that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. In hockey, the power play can be a game changer. It's a big opportunity to score. Well, your local Chevy dealer has an opportunity for you to score big. Now, get $4,000 cash allowance on most 2021 Equinox models, plus current Chevy owners get an additional $750 cash, all adding up to big savings. Show this cold winter who's boss with switchable all-wheel drive that puts you in charge of winter weather driving. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for details. Offer expires March 1st, 2021. Take your best shot. Welcome into Blackhawks Insider. Carter Baum, Adam Burrish back with you once again. And uh, Burr, I just want to dive right into Tuesday night's game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. There's a lot to get to within that. I mean, it's only two games that the team has played uh, since we last spoke last week, I think. But you know, a casual two-game stretch for Patrick Kane. Uh, you know, seven points between the two games. His second four-point night of the season on Tuesday. What what is there left to say about Patrick Kane? I feel like we're talking about him every week, and it's you know, Patrick Kane's doing great. He's doing a great job, but he continues to get better with every single game. W- what are you seeing out there uh, from someone I know you know very well? Yeah, I'm saying he's not going to let this team lose. Is is what he's doing and. Uh, I think he's encouraged by the way they're defending. They're not giving up easy chances and easy goals. So he knows that the other four guys on the ice are committed to playing defense. He's committed to playing defense, and that allows him to free up offensively. And when you get players on these hot streaks, man, they just feel it. it. It bleeds through your team. You just, you know, when I played with him and you could just see he's feeling, I'm going to score tonight for sure. I'm going to set a couple of guys up and, you're just thinking we're not. There's no chance we can lose tonight, and it just it makes you so confident. And you know, we've talked about another podcast that people around the league that I, that I talk to are, are saying that exact thing. That you know, why are the Blackhawks so hot? Why are they doing right now? Well, number one, it, it's Patrick Kane. You're basically starting maybe with a two-zero lead to start the game, knowing he's going to get one and set one up almost every night right now. And so, as long as you don't give up three or four every night, you're in the fight. 30 points in his first 20 games this season. It's only the second time he's done that in his career. He'd be on pace for 123 points with that start in an 82-game schedule. But the only other time he's had a start like this, he won the Hart Trophy. And I know there's, of course, the the North Division, the Wild North, not really the Wild West, but the North side with McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Edmonton. Uh, Martyr and Matthews in Toronto. Where does Patrick Kane fall in the conversation of Hart Trophy candidates right now? Because I think it's it's hard pressed to really find a sole player who means more to his team right now than Patrick Kane. Just like you said. Yeah, there was. I mean, it's a. It was. A, it's been a fair argument the last three. Certainly, two of the last three years. 
I know we argued for a while that he should have been the MVP in two of those three years, probably. Uh, Kucherov had an amazing year two years ago. Um, but if, if you're basing it on what they mean to a, a, their team, what their stats look like, um, there's probably not a more valuable player to their team uh, than him right now. It's, it's, it's incredible that he's, he's getting better and better and better. And, um, you know, I'm anxious to, to get him on this podcast and ask him if, it, does he think that this is the best he's ever played? And I bet if he asked some of his teammates, but if he asked Duncan Keith, who's been with him this whole run, uh, he would probably say, yeah, I would have to imagine this might be the best he's ever played. Maybe just a little tease here, but, uh, Burr, I think your, your wish is going to come true in the next couple of weeks. If I were, um, if I were a betting man, you know, I, I think that will happen and we can ask him that question straight up, but I do want to play a quote from Jeremy Colleton after Tuesday night's game. I think it's the perfect summation of Kane's role on this team, just like you were saying, he was asked by Ken Campbell of the Hockey News if if Kane's deserving of the Hart Trophy at this point in the season. And really the first word of his response is all you need to know. Yeah, I mean, I, look at what the expectations were for our team and, and where, where uh, everyone had us finishing. And uh, yet we're, we're right there. We're in the battle. And uh, obviously he's a big part of that. His production is... Um, better than ever but uh to me it's all about the work ethic away from the puck and the willingness to put pressure on the puck and and create transition for uh himself but for his line mates too and that's uh that type of you know team first mentality that's what we're trying to build here so that we can have um long-term success so we can get back to being an elite team and uh not only you know is he he's doing it, but he's encouraging other guys to do it. And uh, just little things like changing the offensive zone. Uh, I think everyone as a group sees when you, when you do selfless things, when you're unselfish, um, it comes around. And uh, when he's driving that, it sure is powerful. You heard it from Jeremy. When Patrick Kane is leading the way, not just on the score sheet, but everything else he's doing in his two-way game that has continued to evolve in leading by example for so many young players on this roster. What message does that send to the rest of the group when your number one player is doing the hard work on both sides of the puck? There's no excuse, right, for anyone else? No, right. And when 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 this team was winning, you know, a Stanley Cup every other year, basically, for that stretch, all the superstars were, they bought into that and they contributed to that and the hard work. And I remember when I was playing, when you'd see – Jonathan Taves blocking shots. You'd see Marion Hossa back checking. You see Kaner back checking and catching guys. Duncan Keith, Seabrook, all those leaders on the team playing that way. Uh, how can your third and fourth line guys not, you know, for the 10 or 12 minutes that we get out there only, how, how can I not do even more than that in, in a defensive role or a shot blocking role or a, or a four checking, back checking? I've got to give everything I have because these superstars – are doing it it just trickles down your team and and that's what jeremy's talking about jeremy played the game he knows that he 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 played in a in a checking role his whole career and when you see your superstars doing that uh it bleeds through your lineup and look across the league of the teams that have won stanley cups recently i i think the perfect example is the washington capitals of that there was all the talk about ovechkin that year they won the cup he did everything and if alex ovechkin's doing it everybody else better jump on board and do it too because everybody's held accountable that same way. And um, that's what good teams do. And that's what good leaders do. And that's what Kaner's doing right now and has done his whole career. 
um, which is why guys like playing with him, why he makes, uh, you know, we've talked about on the podcast, no matter who Jeremy puts on a line with him, he makes them better because uh, he pushes them and you're trying to keep up and you're trying to impress him. And when you see him committing himself defensively in, in, in a 200 foot game, um, man, it's, it's, uh, it's fun to watch as a, as a teammate and it gives you a lot of confidence. One of his four points on Tuesday in Columbus came with the primary assist, all three of his assists on the night, by the way, primary assists, no secondary assists uh, for, for Patrick Kane of late. He's the prime guy playing setup, man. But one of his four setup, Brandon Hagel, who we had on the show a couple weeks ago, we asked him point blank, you know, how frustrating is it to not be able to have that first goal already? He's come so close on so many occasions with partial breakaways, good prime opportunities in front. He just hasn't been able to find the back of the net. Uh, well, Patrick Kane playing setup man to him on Tuesday. Hagel gets his first goal, and his quote after the game uh, pretty much said it. He said, no better feeling than getting a pass from a legend as well after saying it was a dream come true to score his, his first NHL goal. I mean, he, he said it. He's going to tell his kids. He's going to tell his family. He's going to be telling people for decades to come that Patrick Kane was the man who set him up on his first NHL goal. Yeah, that's awesome. If he hasn't done this yet uh, – if I can send a message to him, I would say, go ask Patrick Kane to sign a stick for you and to kind of commemorate, put the date on there that, that he made that pass on my first NHL goal. Here's the stick I used. I think that'd be a pretty cool memorabilia thing for Hagel to have. And um, But he's a guy that, you know, when you hear the coaches talk about him, they kind of light up a little bit. He's been a hardworking guy. He's around the net. He's had a million and one chances and he hasn't been able to find it. And that's frustrating for guys. But, uh, you know, I can, I can tell you as a, as a player, if you're not scoring and you're, and you're not doing other little things, your ice time is going to go down. Uh, you're not going to be put out in as many situations. And it's been the opposite with Hagel. He's gotten more opportunity, even though he hasn't been scoring. And that tells you that the coaching staff likes what he's doing and likes the way he's playing and likes the effort and the commitment level that he's playing with. And that's why he's been awarded more ice time. Next thing you know, he finds himself out there with Patrick Kane and, and gets a layup back door to get his first NHL goal. So it's a pretty neat kind of full circle, hardworking story to, to start the year for start you know his NHL career. And he's certainly earned everything that he's gotten and all the extra minutes that he's gotten and some shifts with Patrick Kane. And um, boy, Kaner sure looked excited too when he set him up. And that's fun when you see a guy score his first goal like that. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, it seems like, I'm just going off the top of my head here. That's, I think, the fifth first NHL goal of the season for the Blackhawks. And I want to say Patrick Kane's been involved in the goal in at least two or three of them because he's involved in that number, that percentage of Blackhawks goals overall. But there's no one more excited on the ice than Patrick Kane. I mean, the guy who scored the goal is excited. Brandon Hagel was very excited last night. But the smile from Patrick Kane and the excitement from him matched that too. I mean, that's just how committed he is to some of these young guys in, in this team, I think. And it's really fun to watch a guy who's been in the league for so long, who's accomplished so much, find that pride in seeing someone else score their first goal. I mean, it's almost like uh, it's almost like his kid out there, you know, not not that Patrick Kane the third is is there yet. I imagine he'll be there soon, but it's almost like one of his own kids out there scoring their first NHL goal. Yeah, it was cool. It, it was it was a fun if you haven't seen it yet, go pull it up on, on YouTube or somewhere where you can see that goal because it was pretty cool celebration and reaction that, that Kaner had on that goal. And uh, it, it speaks just as much to, you know, what it's not lip service, what you're hearing these guys talk about, how it's a close-knit group of guys. They have fun playing together. They have fun working hard together. And this this culture 
um, that they have of a hardworking and supporting each other and helping each other uh, is it, there, and you can see it in that reaction. And um, you, you can you can watch other teams play, and you can see a guy get his first NHL goal, and and the reaction isn't like what we saw the other night. It, it's not always that. You know, everybody's excited for a guy to get his first goal. It's always a cool moment, but. Uh, that speaks as much to what these guys think about Hagel and the effort that he's been giving and during games and in practice. You know, that, that a lot of that carries over in practice when, you know, if you just turn it on for a little bit in the game, but you dog it in practice, guys notice those things. And so this is a guy that obviously when the cameras are off and, and we're not watching what goes on in practice, he's given that same kind of effort. Guys like him, guys appreciate the work that he's putting in. And they, they sure, I, I bet they wanted him to get that first one just as bad as he did. The, uh, the game itself was another wild one against Columbus as we start to look at the bigger picture. A 6-5 to five, uh, shootout victory on Tuesday night. The second time in three meetings with Columbus that the two teams have kind combined for double-digit goals in regulation. Uh, the Blackhawks in both games uh, have had two-goal leads on two separate occasions. Three times during the game, it was a tie game in each. How fun are these games to watch, Burr, as, as someone sitting on the couch able to watch them without uh, a ton of uh, skin in the game. I'm sure they're not as fun to be part of whenever you give up leads like that. But Chicago and Columbus seems to be must-see TV right now because these two teams are scoring at will, even though each team has a fairly strong netminder starting every single game. Yeah, it was. Uh, they've been fun matchups, and you know, coaches may say, "Well, yeah, a little loose out there, and we don't want to give up five goals. We don't want to give up two goal leads." Um, but uh, you're going to have nights like that, and as players, it's fun. I mean, it's fun when you're on that bench and it's going back and forth, and they score, you score, we score, they score. It's just it, it's rat rat hockey out there, and um, coaches are yelling to tighten it up. But if, you know, if you give one up and then you go get one back right away, the coaches, okay, we're we're back on now. So it's a uh, it's 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 fun to play in uh, when you get a win, especially if you if you lose. I can guarantee you, Tor- John Tortorella, the coach of the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, gave his guys a little bit of an earful that it was a little loose out there, and and we didn't we didn't play defensively as well as they'd like to. They got a good structured team that plays hard too, so it's a hard team to play against. But um, you know, this is a this is a Blackhawks team that has young guys that are hungry, but this isn't just a grinded out team too. There's a lot of skill in this Blackhawks lineup. And, you know, when we, when we talk to the goaltenders, they'll tell you in practice, these guys can shoot, these guys can skate. They got some high level skill, um, you know, and they're going to keep getting better too. And, and, and I'm sure if you talk to Jeremy and, and you heard some of the players talk about, you know, we, yeah, we still have some improvements to do defensively and tighten some things up. We made some mistakes. You score six goals a night though, Carter, you're going to win just about every single one of them. You touched on the goalie. We'll hear from it from uh, Malcolm Subban himself here in just a minute, our guest on today's show, maybe burying the lead a little bit there by not mentioning him, mentioning him earlier on the show. But uh, one last thing I wanted to get to, the Blackhawks will face Columbus again on Thursday night, another exciting game, I'm sure. Uh, two games against the Detroit Red Wings, another rivalry weekend on Saturday and Sunday at the United Center, a, a much-needed trip home for the Blackhawks. We've been on the road for almost two weeks now. After Sunday's game, though, the season is nearing halfway over. I think another week it'll be halfway over. But 20 games in regardless, how what has stood out to you for the first 20 games of this team right now? I mean, the big picture, coming into the year, there were, you know, everything said about, you know, this is going to just be kind of a wash of a year, get all these young guys in. 
Uh, we talked about there's there's some pride in that locker room, but big picture, what have you seen from this group over the first 20 games at least uh, that that is really exciting to watch? Well, I think it's just as simple as, as Jeremy Collier and the coaching staff has preached to these guys that if we work hard and we compete, that we're going to have a chance to win. And he's got a, he got them believing in it. He got them doing that. And now they're getting those results and now they're winning. It seems like they're winning at games every night for a while. They weren't winning overtime games. Now they're winning overtime games. They're winning six, five games. They're winning three, two games. He's got them believing this and he's got them playing the right way. He's got them playing a way that's fun to watch. And I'd be lying to you if I, if I said, it's not surprising to everybody. I, I don't think, you know, Jeremy said it in his quote, look where people predicted this team to start the, at, at the start of the, or to finish at the start of the year. This is a playoff hockey team right now. And the way they're playing, uh, they are, they really are. It's not a, it's not a fluke. It's not, uh, they've, they've, they've played bad teams. It's hard to win every night in the league right now. Every team is good. They're playing every other night. You can't take a, there's no such thing as, you know, a night off or a time to kind of regroup. You're playing hockey games left and right and every other night. And this team, the way they're playing and the way they're competing, they're playing a playoff style hockey. And it's fast. It's in your face. It's up and down. It's committed defensively. And it's fun to watch. And everything you hear in quotes and everything you hear players saying and coaches saying, it's it's true. And it's really fun to watch. You mentioned you know getting contributions from across the lineup, up and down the roster. One area that's been... A pleasant surprise, and we we've talked about it time and time again as it relates to Kevin Lankin in, in goal. But on the flip side of it as well, our guest today, Malcolm Subban, he's played four games this season over the first twenty games. Uh, his first one, much like the rest of the team, the season opener in Tampa, a forgettable game. Team was getting their finding their stride, kind of going through some early season um, rust. But the last three starts for Malcolm Subban, a two zero and one record allowing less than two goals a game on average, nearly 94% save percentage. This is a guy who's going a week to two weeks on average between starts, stepping into the pipes, and you can't tell that it's been two weeks or 10 days since his last game because he's playing incredible. How nice is it to have that two-headed monster uh, at the back in the blue paint between Kevin Lankinen and Malcolm Subban, who can go out there and players, coaches have talked about it, can single-handedly almost get you games and get you at least a point going to overtime because of how elite they're playing right now. Yeah, Malcolm's been – he's been awesome the last month. And every time you you, you throw him in there, you, you're going to have a chance to win a game. you got a one, you got an under a 2.0 save percentage. You're going to win 90% of your hockey games if your goaltender can do that, and that's what Malcolm's doing. And he's a pro, and he hasn't been in the league for, for – 10 years, but he's been, he's been, he's been in Boston, you know, a Stanley cup contender every year. And he was in, in Vegas most recently, a team that's been in the finals and probably you know, could have been in the finals last year, but a, a, a team that will compete for a, a championship again. Um, so he's been on some really good hockey teams and he's been in that backup role and it's not easy for goaltenders, but the ones that are really good at it and mentally headstrong and keep themselves ready, which Malcolm has done this year, um, that's a valuable, valuable piece to a team. And Malcolm knows that he's a pro and he's a focused guy. He, I, I know I saw right when the season got shut down, he had said that he was sticking around in Chicago and going to get to know the city, obviously not knowing when things would come back. They obviously didn't, but a committed guy that, um, was committed to being here in Chicago. He wanted to be here in Chicago after getting traded from Vegas and he, he, he ends up earning a spot and, 
Uh, it's 1A and 1B, if you ask me. You can throw either one of those guys, Kevin or Malcolm, into the game, and, and they're going to give you a chance to win, and, and Malcolm's been great. A great player, a great guy off the ice as well, not only personality-wise, but what he's doing in the city, in the, in the community as well. We touch on it later, but a fun conversation with Malcolm Subban, so we'll send it over to that right now. It's tough when you don't play that much. Um, you really got to find a way to get your head around that it's not life or death, <laughs> whether you, uh, you know, let in a goal or, or whatever, cause it's too much pressure. Uh, but I think he came in, he was composed. He made some big saves for us. Uh, we didn't give up a ton of chances, but, uh, he made some big saves and you can see the confidence that our guys, uh, have in him now. It's a couple games in a row where he's been really solid and, uh, you know, that credit to him because it's, it's not easy to prepare yourself uh, when you're not playing and to jump in. And uh, he, he helped us a big, big part of us getting two points tonight. Joined now by Malcolm Subban and Malcolm real quick, as we sit here today, it's Wednesday, February 24th. I don't know if you know this, but one year to the day exactly that you were traded to the Blackhawks from the Vegas Golden Knights last year, you join the team on the road, you come back, you get maybe two good weeks in Chicago of, getting to know the city, getting acclimated, and then everything shuts down on March 12th, a couple of weeks later. I'd venture to say this first year with your organization has been uh, quite the whirlwind for you uh, in many ways, just based on what the last year has been like. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty wild when I, when I came in, you know, just like you said, just trying to, you know, get acclimated with everything and, you know, the routine of uh, with the team and, you know, the city and stuff and and then uh, COVID happened, so <laughs> it was it was crazy because I I actually ended up staying here the whole time because I just I felt like I, I I couldn't you know what I mean? It was just like I wanted to you know stay and get to know everything and stuff. So let's get used to the city. So I just ended up staying here and then going through the whole quarantine process and now back here in camp. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely been been wild for sure. I want to dive right into. You and Kevin Lankin are just stealing the show this year. It's 1A, it's 1B, it's look what I can do, I can do it better. And you guys have been going back and forth. Has that been fun for you? And talk up a little bit about your relationship, um, you two pushing each other. It seems like you guys get along well and you're happy for each other when you do well. Um, but, man, it's, it's sure been a fun competition from the outside looking in. Yeah, it's definitely been a healthy competition, uh, just pushing each other. And uh, I think it's good. I think it's good for the for the team. I think it's good for the room. And, um, you know, the ultimate goal at the end of the day is for us to win. So, um, you know, we've been doing that and hopefully we can keep it going. Obviously, uh, we've been getting a lot of support from the from the boys out there. They've been playing really well and uh, scoring a lot of goals for us. So that definitely helps. Um, but yeah, just hopefully, you know, we can all keep it going. You've split the net with, I think, three Hall of Fame caliber goaltenders in your career. Uh, up until this point, you had Tuka Rask in Boston, Marc-Andre Fleury in Vegas, Corey Crawford uh, during your time after joining the team last year. How different has this year been? I mean, it's yourself. It's Kevin Lankinen, who's a rookie getting his first NHL taste. Colin Delia, who's had a couple games here and there over the last few years, but also a, a young guy in the league. How different has this year been and how fun has it been just kind of having three guys in, in a very similar situation as yourself all battling, as you said, and kind of grinding it out for those those uh, games. Yeah, it's definitely been different in the sense that, you know, I was before I was always the, you know, the much younger guy kind of learning and, you know, just watching the starter and I trying to learn as much as I can. And now it's kind of, 
I mean, I'm not a seasoned veteran or anything like that. I haven't played like 10 to 15 years or anything, but, uh, you know, played a few years. So just trying to, you know, help Lanks and, uh, in the games there when I'm backing up and just try and give him some tips and stuff or stuff that I've learned and, you know, just try and give it to him just to get him, uh, up to speed as fast as possible coming in. I'm, I know when I first came in, I was, you know, trying to find, find, find the league and it's, it's, it's a different game out there for sure, as opposed to like the AHL and stuff. So, you know, just trying to find everything. So I've just been trying to help him as much as I could and just from what I've learned in the past few years, but it's been, it's been great. Um, hopefully, you know, we can all keep it going. What did you do? I know you stayed in Chicago when everything got kind of shut down. Um, I'm always curious, you know, a normal season, you, you get done, you take a couple weeks off, you start training, all of a sudden things got done and you stayed in Chicago. What did you do to stay sharp? Gyms were closed for a while. What was your training like? And cause I am, I got to tell you, Malcolm, I'm shocked as an ex player, how it looks like you guys didn't miss a beat when the season started this year. What was your off season or kind of off season and a half? What, what did that look like? What'd you do to stay so sharp? Yeah. So at the start, like the first couple months, I don't think anyone really knew what was going on. And then so we were all just kind of, you know, just chilling out. Steve, we didn't know if we we're coming back right away or what was going to happen. And then once we started to get a schedule, I kind of we started to do uh, Zoom calls with uh, our trainer in Chicago, Polly Goodman. And then um, we were doing that like, a couple times a week. And then I like to I like to mountain bike. So I, I mountain bike a lot in the summer back home. So I ended up, I had to buy a new bike anyways, because mine was like, I just kind of bought an entry level when I first started, but I wanted to get a better one. So I got one. I'm like, this is the perfect time. So I got one in Chicago and then I was riding like every day for a couple of hours um, for at first around the city. And then I, I went a couple of times to, uh, I can't remember the name of it. It was about 30 minutes away, I think West of Chicago. And I just went into the, into the mountains and, uh, or into the, the trails and was just riding there. Uh, so I was just, yeah, I was just doing a lot of like mountain biking. And then when it was nice, I'd try to, uh, obviously it was tough cause it was quarantine, but I tried to, uh, when they did have the parks open, I tried to go just get some grass and stretch and do some stuff, you know, get outside and, uh, when I could. And, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. I wasn't, I wasn't eating too much. <laughs> we weren't doing, too, especially earlier on cause we weren't doing too much. So I was just like drinking like juices and stuff, just trying to, you know, not eat too much. Um, and then yeah, that was that was pretty. And then just video games. <laughs> that makes one of us uh, not not trying to eat too much during the start of quarantine there. But I mean, Malcolm, you you were here for a couple months, and I think you might have seen more of Chicago than guys that have played here for years. If you're riding <laughs> around on your bike all over the city, all over even Illinois and the suburbs, I mean that that's incredible. Yeah, it was. It's funny because that's actually how I kind of got to know the city was biking around. Um, it was pretty cool, and it was great. Like it's it's honestly the one thing I realized. Um, and I, I like Toronto. Toronto's pretty cool for that. But I feel like here there's like the bike lanes, you know, in, in the city and they have the bike, like the lights, you know, that I thought that was pretty cool. So it's very uh, bike friendly uh, downtown Toronto or downtown Chicago. What else are you doing now in a weird season like this where you guys have kind of you're at the rink, but then you're kind of stuck in your hotel rooms and you're by yourself a lot more, a lot more time, time alone. I always ask the guys, what, what do you do to to pass the time you said video games do you are you playing the guitar or anything like that or what else are you doing to, to pass some time yeah i started i actually started playing the guitar about uh two two and a half years ago around there um so i was playing the guitar a lot actually in quarantine and then uh on the road here it's tough because you know we, we don't want to be you know in big groups and stuff just in case you know someone tests positive so uh we've been trying to you know just be professional with that so uh i brought my xbox on the road just 12 day road trip just to have it in here is just so 
keep me keep me occupied and stuff. What, what, kind, what kind of tunes are you playing? What are your what are your go to guitar tunes? Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers for sure. Ah, nice. John nice. Cusciante, yeah, he's really good. I like him. He yeah hired me to play. So cool. I've been I've been uh, learning uh, a lot of his stuff, and then um, a little bit of, a little bit of punk like Blink One Eighty Two and stuff. Yeah, that stuff. But yeah, mostly John Cusciante. I like his stuff. Yeah, that's cool. You uh, not only are you having to kill time in the hotel away from the team. You're having to buy some time between uh, between times you're getting in the game. I mean, I think your last three starts, you've posted incredible numbers, 2-0-1, 1.9 goals against, 9-3-9 save percentage. But you're going a week, week and a half, two weeks between games. I mean, what kind of mental challenge is that? And how do you keep yourself so on top of your game? Because when you step in, when you get that opportunity – the last three games, especially, you've stepped in. You've done a an incredible job back there, and it, it doesn't look like you're going that long between games. I mean, it looks like you're in a, a natural rhythm. Um, I think uh, it's it's uh, yeah, it's tough. I feel like you got to really use your practices as games, and you know, take them seriously, and you know, just battle on every shot and compete. I, f- I feel like that's helped me a lot. You know, especially when you do the game situation drills, like the power play or three on twos, two on ones. You know, three on two down low, three on zero down low, whatever drill it is you really got to take those uh seriously i feel like that's helped me a lot and um honestly i feel like the team's played pretty well in there for me so uh, that obviously helps too um you know blocking shots at key times and stuff and you know not giving up too much too much uh you know in the scoring area so that that helps too but i think yeah overall just mentally you just gotta uh, take your practices as games and um and sometimes in practice you know you don't sometimes you don't get the game situation drills as much it's a lot of flow drills so you know, working with Jimmy before practice and stuff and doing those drills that, you know, working on the post coverage and the download stuff, that all that all helps and uh, ties into, uh, you know, just uh, feeling better when you get in there. So. When, when I was playing, I always felt like the if you wanted an honest answer of how the team played, the goaltenders always had the best perspective. You, you're in the game, you get to sit back and watch a little bit, but you always have a good feel about the compete level, the effort. Um, the only times I'd ever hear goalies get upset and really angry with the players when they didn't feel the effort was there, the defensive coverage or the back checking. It seems like the message we keep hearing out of your guys' team is that this culture now is a hardworking mentality. It's it's work boots. It's everybody back checking, playing defensive hard, forechecking hard, moving your feet. What's your feeling when you're back there in the net? Um, is that the feeling you're getting after the games? You're like, man, this team competed. Uh, I always like to hear the the goaltender's perspective on you know what the what the culture's like with the team and what that work ethic's really like. Yeah, I mean, I think the perfect example was I think my game against Detroit in the first period. Like we knew they were on a hot streak coming in there, and it's not an easy building to play in. And you know they they came out hard and they had us hemmed in for a bit. But when I look back at the after the first period, I'm like we defended it really well. We weathered it really well. I thought we didn't give up, you know, when they did have it in the slot, it was a great block by, by one of our guys and they didn't really get generate too many high quality chances. And I think like that stuff's good because, you know, there's going to be times when teams, you know, will press like that and it's how, how you handle it. You know, are you giving up like just great A's all the time? So I think that's, that's a, you know, definitely a good example of, you know, how we've been playing. I think that, um, you know, we've been playing hard and, I think the back checking stuff has been been great. Like I was talking to Jimmy the other day. I'm like, I don't remember the last time I got a two on one against me. You know, the boys are all reloading, they're coming back. So uh, it's it's good to see from a from a goaltending uh, perspective. It makes it a lot easier. Would you say, you know, in the off season, a lot of talk was about how the, it needed to tighten up in your defensive zone coverage. Would you, would you say, as a goaltender, you, I, you kind of answered it, but is that something that you feel this team's really really improved on? 
Oh, hundred percent, without a doubt. I mean, obviously, I didn't play too much last year, but from this year, from what I've seen, hundred percent, I, I I can agree with that for sure. We touched on the the Hall of Fame caliber goaltenders that you've you know been lucky to play with through the years. You've also had a couple of Hall of Fame caliber defensemen in front of you. Interested, what you think of? The rookies, the young guys, uh, the guys in their first or second year in front of you on that defensive side, especially. I mean, Adam Boquist, Nicholas Bodan, Ian Mitchell, Lucas Carlson. I mean, these guys have been touted for for a long time or for a couple years at least here in Chicago. I want to get your thoughts on kind of their work and in, in that collective defensive unit back there because it seems like, at least from the outside, they're stepping in and they're stepping up right away and doing a great job at it for guys who are in their first or second year uh, in, in the NHL. Yeah, no, I agree with that for sure. And I think it's it's not an easy league. You know, there's a lot of good players on every team. Even teams that may not be doing well at the time, they still got some players that can, you know, make moves and, you know, put you on your back if you're not ready and, you know, on your toes. So, um, yeah, they've definitely been doing a great job. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I can't have – I don't really have anything bad to say. I mean, Bodan stepped in there, you know, on the power play and, you know, making some poised plays on the blue line and, you know, it's, everyone's playing high. I think that's the biggest thing, too, is they're all playing hard in the defensive zone and down low. You know, they're not making it easy on teams to, you know, attack the net and stuff. So that's that's really good for uh, good good traits for young defensemen to have for sure. Who's a guy in practice that comes down that that would surprise people to hear that that um, can really shoot? You can't say Debrinket and you can't say Kane. Who's a guy in practice that, that people would be surprised to hear that, man, this guy can score. It's He's hard to, to figure out where he's shooting in practice. You got a guy? Well, I think I think Suter is an obvious one. I mean, we saw the hat trick he got against Detroit, and oh, yeah. the OT goal against Dallas. He's got a really good shot. Um, Kershev has a really good shot. I'll, honestly, a lot of these guys, man, they come in and, and practice, and uh, I'm not used to I'm not used to getting scored on this much in practice. It's, it's been, <laughs> been no, it's, they've been really hard to stop. It's really good. It's been it's been really good. So um, coming with a lot of speed too. You know, we got, we got some guys that can wheel, so that definitely makes it hard on a goaltender. I want to switch gears for just a minute before we wrap things up here, Malcolm. And we, we talked about a lot of the on-ice stuff that you're doing, but I, I want to take a moment and just discuss and, and really commend you for some of the stuff you're doing off the ice as well. We talked about just the oddity of coming in last year, not really having a chance to get to know the city as well, um, you know, bike excluded uh, from the outside. But you've stepped in in Chicago and um, you stepped up right away as a, as a new community in your new community last year with the the set with Samacho and the Athletes for Justice program alongside Jonathan Taves, uh, giving back to somewhere that you really hadn't got to know at that point. I know earlier today you and uh, Jamal Mayers did a, a virtual reading program visit, a second grade, grade classroom at Ogden International School as a part of Black History Month. And he was reading his incredible book, Hockey is for Me, about his own path to become a pro. What, uh, you know, what is the driving force for you to want to step up and, and be that positive influence, not only within the city that uh, you've only spent a year in as a, as a resident, but also within the hockey community as a whole? I mean, what is it about you that likes to be that example for not only young kids, but your, your peers alike? I think it's just, uh, for me, I, I really think it's a product of, you know, just, um, you know, just looking up to my older brother and my dad who have done so much in the communities that they've been in and my dad back home and then PK in uh, Montreal and Nashville and what he did. So, um, you know, my sisters are both teachers. So it kind of just rubs off on, on me in terms of, you know, wanting to get out there and give back to the community and help as much as you can. It's, I think it's really important and it goes a long way. You know, something that may not be, 
you know, too taxing for you or something can make a huge difference in someone else's, someone else's life. So, um, you know, I think it's great stuff and I'm looking forward to doing more of that. As I understand it, you know, Jamal was reading the book to the kids earlier today. You're doing this all over Zoom, of course, a virtual visit. Uh, you guys are on the road right now, so it's not even like you could go in Chicago if you were here. I heard you had a very important role as presenter, though. It's a, it's a very visual, illustrated book. Uh, and you, uh, if if I'm hearing this right, were responsible for showing all the visuals to the kids through the computer. What was what was that experience like for you? Oh, it was great because I know when I was a kid, I loved those picture books when I was their age. <laughs> uh, I love seeing the pictures, so I thought you know I got to make sure they see the pictures too. And uh, no, it's a great book, uh, unbelievable book. Uh, I think they liked it. They liked it a lot, and so it was a fun experience for sure. I think you and Jamal took questions afterwards, right? I mean, did you get some hardballs from some of those kids? The second graders can ask probably some uh, some more in depth questions than Burn I can sometimes. <laughs> no, honestly, they're 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 really good questions. You know, we got some questions about who our role, our role models were growing up and stuff. So it's pretty cool to answer those uh, questions for the kids. Any fun ones? Any any crazy ones? Any uh, what kind of car do you drive? Or any fun questions? Um, there was. Uh, 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 I think it was like, do you think you guys are, or were, were you guys good? Or are you guys good hockey players? I think that was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're pretty good. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. that, was tough, that was a tough one to answer. I think, uh, <laughs> I think so. You stay a little yeah. humble with that one or you, you go, I mean, Hey, you know, yeah exactly <laughs> well, that's awesome I will say Malcolm uh, just incredible work that you're doing not only on the ice uh, this season but off the ice as well Chicago's lucky to have you the Blackhawks are lucky to have you and um, you know we commend you for the model you're setting for for so many around not only the team the city but the league as well and so uh, great work there we can't wait to see uh, see it continue down the road and see your uh, hot play continue as well when you when you get in the net and take full advantage of it Oh, thank you. No, I appreciate that. And once once we can all get together, you and I, we're going to have a little jam session on the guitar, too. Yeah. There you go. Good. Maybe you can teach me a couple of things. All right. Right back <laughs> at you. Well, thank you, Malcolm, once again. That'll do it for this week's episode of Blackhawks Insider. For Adam Burrish, I'm Carter Baum. Special thanks to Malcolm Subban for giving us a few minutes of his time today. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider, presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Tapes drive. <laughs>